subscribe to Tripod Talk Radio for conversations with veterinarians, oncologists, rehab therapists, and other experts discussing amputation for dogs and cats. Find more info, helpful care tips, and a free gift at tripods.com slash radio. Thank you for tuning in to Tripod Talk Radio, where we're spreading the word that it's better to hop on three legs than limp on four. Hosted by Jim and Renee and Wyatt Ray of the Tripods Blogs community at tripods.com, Jerry's place for canine amputees and their people. Oh, that's silly, Jerry. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Tripod Talk Radio for Sunday, November 9th, 2014. Today we are happy to have Dr. Dickie Kennedy with us from the Animal Rehab and Conditioning Center, which she founded in Greenville, South Carolina, and online at animalrehabgreenville.com. Dr. Kennedy is a DVM and CCRP. That's a certified canine rehab practitioner, which is very important when it comes to keeping tripods fit and strong. We're going to talk about that and the benefits of rehab therapy and conditioning exercises for three-legged dogs and cats. If you're listening live, please call 646-716-5450 with your questions or join us in the live chat room now at tripods.com slash chat. Dr. Kennedy, thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Thank you, Jim. I hey, like Dr. Kennedy. Kennedy. <laughs> well, we're glad you do. This is Renee here and, and we're excited to, to have you, so thanks a bunch. No problem, Renee. I appreciate you all have, having me on. Oh, sure. Well, you have a lot to teach us. I know that because we have recently completed a series of videos that you made with Tripod Domino and his mom, Cassie. And in the coming weeks, we'll be announcing that uh, in our downloads blog. We'll be sharing lots of your really great information, tips, and different uh, exercise demos. So everybody stay tuned for that because that's, that's coming up uh, in the next month or so. We have a lot to share with you. Um, Dr. Kennedy, you've been so helpful, and I just want to say thank you. Um, I know that you have a very special interest in tripods, and um, I'd love to hear about your experience with your own v tripod, Kitty. Can you, can you tell us about her? Uh, well, yeah, I can. Um, I got IC when I was working in Atlanta. Um, she came in as a stray that had been um, hurt, and there were no cuts or anything but on her leg, but she did have nerve damage, and so we tried to let it heal, but then she tried to take her own leg off, so we ended up removing Oof. it. Um, she came home with me because she wasn't a very good kitten, <laughs> but she is now um, she's now my heart and soul. She's my lap kitty, and, and her name is I see, but she gets called Princess, Little Cat, you know, everything else because she is the queen. So <laughs> that is so cute. And and how long ago was it when she came into your life? Uh, I see is sixteen, so she came into our life fifteen and a half years ago. So. She is quite wow, um, quite the matriarch. So, I'll bet, I'll bet she's probably got you wrapped around her three paws. 
Yes, ma'am, she does. Everybody else. (laughs) I I hope I get to meet her someday. She sounds so cool. What? What is she? What is she like? What does she? What does she do? Is she just like an ordinary cat? Or I, I'd love to hear more about your experience with a, a tripod cat because um, we've recently had a lot of members join us who who have three-legged mm-hmm. cats. So um, just uh, tell for for the dog people like me who don't have a cat in the family what's what's a tripod cat like? Well, I see is actually not your typical cat because she is kind of. Um, very talkative, and she wants to be with you. Um, So most cats, you know, kind of are off to themselves. In fact, my other two cats are, you know, I see them at feeding time, and that's about it. But I see is part of the family, and she just has taken over. She, um, We have a lot of stools around the house so that she can get up, you know, onto the furniture with us um, to keep her from, you know, jumping down and hurting herself. And, uh, she demands everything be done for her, and we pretty much do it. Um, you know, cats are gods, so <laughs> um, we've kept her weight under control, and then we do a lot of core conditioning with her. Um, she sits up and begs like a dog, and uh, wow. I mean, the the strength in this this cat's abdomen and back is just unbelievable. So, was that something she started doing naturally, or did you train her how to do that? It was a little bit of both because um, she wanted up in your lap and, you know, she uh, was very demanding about it. So in some respects, she would sit up and kind of pat you to say, pick me up. But in the other (laughs) respects, you know, I would um, hold treats above her and she would sit up and beg. And now she she looks like um, a meerkat because she'll like just sit up and look around the room, you know, to see what she wants next. (laughs) that is so cool and and as far as jumping down did she learn how to use the stools to jump down because it seems to me like it'd be an obvious thing for a cat to climb up with them but to get down um how did she figure that part out um basically we just kept kind of um using treats to show her the stool could be used to go down and then she um unfortunately you know some of the furniture our bed for example is fairly high and so when she mm-hmm. would jump down, she would kind of land on her face because she's missing her right front leg. And oh. so she finally, you know, she figured out kind of quickly that um, I don't have that leg to to stabilize me. So if I do something, you know, to where it kind of breaks it down a little bit. So we mm-hmm. just, once we got the one stool to where she could get up and down, um, you place stools anywhere in the house and she's like, oh, I've got this. So, you know, she's she's very adaptable that way. She's a smart girl. That's really, really neat. I I often wondered how cats would would jump down when they're missing a front leg like that because it just seems like a lot of impact. Yeah, it, it truly is. Um, you don't think about just even with a four-legged pet how much impact you put jumping off of something and all of your weight mm-hmm. coming down on those front legs. But then if you're missing one, you increase that just, you know, astronomically, so... Yeah, we'll talk about that in a bit. Um, I, I'd love to, to jump into the um, the basics about you. Um, tell us why okay. you decided to specialize in rehab therapy. Did ICE have something to do with that, or um, wh- why why did you why did you decide to focus on that in your practice? Um, well, ICE did, and and so did numerous other pets because I was in a, a practice of my own, and and I. Uh, you know, I'd been a vet for a while, and and 
I felt like the vet community was not helping our pets with pain as well as we could have. And so um, I took and, you know, we would tell them they could take a pill but not to give it to your pet because, you know, they don't know to be careful. And we weren't giving the owners the benefit of the doubt that they could monitor the pet. And so um, when I was in my own practice, one of my favorite pets came in, and she was five years old. She was a chow cross, and she had bilateral hip dysplasia, and she had a, a cruciate she had torn, and her quality of life was terrible. I mean, it was absolutely terrible. She cried Aww. to stand up, and she cried to lay down, and the owner wanted me to euthanize her. And oh, I loved this dog, and I, I begged the owner. I had been reading about the rehab stuff, and I begged the owner to let me try some of it, and we just did basic stuff, you know, um, having the owner do short walks, and then, you know, I did um, exercise at the clinic and stuff, and we put her on some pain medicine. And Libby just, she improved so much it was unbelievable. I mean, she ended up from going from a dog who couldn't stand up and walk to surfing the counters, and um, she wow. was actually uh, she actually was died last year, and she was fourteen. You know, oh so my we gosh. gave her eight wow. and a half. Yeah, we we gave her eight and a half to nine more years of life, and and wow. you know just seeing her go from being being ready to be put down to living a good life just it just pushed me over the edge, and so I went into rehab, wow. and then then acupuncture and then pain management and then massage and then chiropractic and it becomes a <laughs> it becomes one of those things you just keep going so <laughs> i am impressed That's with your happens. your credentials we we didn't even get into that that yes you i mean you are a certified veterinary acupuncturist um a chiropractic practitioner and a pain management specialist, which is really difficult mm-hmm. to find um, these days. I'm hoping that's going to change, but um, pain management is something that you are very knowledgeable about, correct? Yes, it's something that I'm very passionate about. So, well, we we need lots my, of that knowledge my, in our community. Yes, we do. We really do. Um, I think uh, the vet community has gotten better, but I still think we're not we're not where we need to be. But you know, we're getting. I, I I know a lot of people who would agree with that. I mean, I can't tell you how many dogs come home with um, an NSAID after amputation, and that's it. And yeah. you know, not even not even tramadol, and it just I, I it just blows my mind that <laughs> that it would seem like that's an okay thing. I mean, that's like giving yourself an ibuprofen after getting your leg cut off. It's crazy. Uh, I agree, and and like I said, that's why. Um, I I told a, a group yesterday, we laughed at the people in school that were going to be holistic vets, and, and you see where I'm at now. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it comes back to haunt you. <laughs> and the fact of the matter is, is, is like I said, um, I've done so much integrative care now, and, and I just keep going, well, you know what? That may work for this pet, so let me go get certified in that. <laughs> so <laughs> um it, it you know it's just we're we're so grateful for for vets like you mm-hmm. and and hoping that um with as more as more come out of vet school who are who are ready to embrace all different modalities that that things will get better yeah. Yeah. i i yeah. think they will the group i spoke to yesterday they seem like they're very open to a lot of this so and they were very interested in it so i i think we're 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 growing them up right so good <laughs> good that's that's so awesome to hear um mm-hmm. 
Now let's let's talk about uh, tripods um, because that's that's of course why we're here and why we invited you. But um, mm-hmm. you know what what are some of the common issues that that you might see in a in a tripod, um, dog or cat? Do you see any cats in your practice? And um, and um, how do you help those patients with those with those issues? Well, I don't see very many cats. I did see one of the first ones in my practice just recently. Um, uh-huh. A lot of the problems we see with tripods, whether they are cat or dogs, is compensation for a limb that's no longer there. Okay, so if you watch tripods, you will see that whether front or back, they tend to move the remaining limb more to the middle of their body, and so that causes that leg to get awkward um, forces on it, and then you end up you you end up hurting the back because they're trying to counterbalance everything. And so a lot of the issues we see are, you know, with the le- the remaining leg that's wherever, and then the back uh-huh. issues. And then, of course, we need to keep these pets really lean because they are kind of shifting their weight inappropriately. Um, uh-huh. And so a lot of neck, back, and then remaining leg issues is what we see. Um, and then... You know, I mean, that's basically it as far as uh-huh. we we just want to keep the arthritis down, too, because they are pounding that limb a little bit more than they would normally, you know, um, if they had four limbs. So, Does arthritis develop in, in, in greater, um, does, is there a greater chance of arthritis because there are tripods? I feel like there probably is just because the the limb is being, you know, our mm-hmm. pets typically hold 30, 30% of their weight on each front leg and 20, 20 on the back legs. So if we mm-hmm. remove, say, like IC, a front leg, she is shifting, you know, another 30% of weight she's trying to, to distribute between those remaining three legs. And so putting her on, we put Domino on the pet stance analyzer, and I don't remember what his numbers were but you could definitely see that he had shifted his weight. Did you, and do you remember the, his numbers? I, I do not, but the, um, yeah. the pet stance analyzer, it looked like a, a mat that he stood mm-hmm. on and you had something in your hand that you were um, kind of like a remote control. That, that told you where yeah. his weight was when he put his feet down? Yeah, it's like having, almost like having four um, uh, weight scales and putting one foot on each one basically is what it is. And so the little clicker I had in my hand was just clicking while he was standing there to get various weights and kind of do a, a, an average of them. So, so and, and how does that see. help you diagnose his, his issues? Well, it, it doesn't, it really doesn't help a whole lot in tripods, unfortunately, except to show the owner how much more weight they're putting on that remaining leg. You see what I'm saying? Now, if he were yeah. a four-legged and, and he were shifting his weight off of a leg because it was hurt, then we could see that pretty easily. But with a tripod, it's more of a, a learning tool for the owner to say, look, you know, he's now putting 47 or 50% weight on this leg where it should be 30, and so we need to make him as strong as possible, you know, to keep his leg as healthy as possible. Mm-hmm. And, and how do you get a tripod as strong as possible? Um, I love Fit Paws equipment. Um, mm-hmm. It's a lot of balance equipment, and so we do a ton of balance exercises. 
um, you know, putting, shifting their weight if they're losing, a, if they've lost the front leg, trying to shift their weight back and forth, strengthening the shoulders, the back, the abdomen, the hips, and just making the whole core of the body as strong as possible. The other thing would be making sure that the owners are doing flexion extension exercises and that they're massaging the whole body, not just the one leg, and that they're also, because of the way we bring our pets bring that leg into the middle of their body, making sure they're, you know, relieving that leg by, by pushing it out, you know. If you take your arm and move it to the middle of your body and hold it there for a few minutes, you can feel how tight your shoulder and stuff gets. And so just lifting your arm and holding it out to your side feels like, oh, goodness, I feel so good. And our pets don't, they don't have that ability to, to kind of do that on their own a lot. And so just uh-huh. letting your owner kind of move that leg and massage it, and it helps a ton. In the videos that we have of you and Domino, uh, you, you demonstrate a lot of those movements. So uh, everybody mm-hmm. stay tuned for that in our downloads blog because um, like flexia and extension, um, that's demonstrated mm-hmm. in the videos and, and people can see what it looks like. Um, you know, one thing uh, when it comes to my own tripod, Wyatt, um, he's not a very touchy-feely dog. So when, when I have tried to do flexion with him, um, he kind of jerks away and he's, he's you know, I'm, I'm very gentle with him, but he just, he's not real big into touch. Um, what kind of tips mm-hmm. would you have for dogs like that? Um, well, do you have somebody who can feed him treats while you do it? You know, yes. somebody to kind of talk to him and, and then make sure that he's comfortable and you're comfortable and that there's not, you know, if he's not a touchy-feely, you may want to not have the TV blaring, maybe have something soft like classical music, you know, gently playing in the background. Um, make sure that it's kind of quiet um, and that it's just a, a me and you time, you know, and giving some treats and say, okay, this doesn't hurt, let's just take our time and, you know, really connect with them. Um, I love flexion extension and the massage because I feel like it, it makes the bond between our pets and ourselves much stronger. And, you know, that's for everybody, all dogs, all cats, everybody. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And and White has gotten a little more uh, receptive to touch as he's gotten older, but he's he's still not the kind of dog that will just go, ah, when you start to massage him. So I try it little by little and... and as he gets older, he's five now, and, and as he gets older, I'm trying to do it more and more because I have noticed in the last year or so that his spine is really curved, and a lot of members talk about this. Yeah. So when when we're doing these exercises, do, are we straightening that spine out? I mean, can can it be straightened out again, or is it always going to be like uh, have a little curve because they're compensating? Probably going to have a little curve, but to be honest with you, you can strengthen that spine by doing a lot of these um, weight-shifting exercises on the peanuts, on the balance disc, that sort of thing. So you can help him a lot with that. Um, the other thing is, is um, are you doing any heat when you do your flexion extension? Because I usually put heat on the hip, and mm-hmm. I work from my to- the toes up, and then I move heat to the shoulder and work from the toes up. And then after I do my flexion extensions is when I do the massage. And, and a lot of the pets are like, okay, just get this done because then I get the, you know, the nice massage going on. Um, <laughs> so it's, you know, I mean, it may be helpful for you. And the other thing is, is like I tell my clients, 
don't start the massage and then get up and go answer the phone or go get a drink or whatever because you don't want your massage therapist to get halfway through and then walk out and then come back in and try to start again. It just, you know, you kind of lose right. the, the whole mood thing. So. <laughs> That's so true. I never thought of it like that. That's funny. Um, well, no, I haven't been using heat, so that's a that's a great idea. We we do have a yeah a, a ice cold pack for him, so um, you know that turns into heat when you throw it in the microwave. So I'll I'll definitely do that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean that's that's a great tip. And and how many times a week would something like that be beneficial for them? Um, I actually think you should do flexion extension on a daily basis with the massage, and I think it's just a good bonding experience, like I said. And you'd be surprised how much quicker you're going to pick up little nuances of, you know, oh, he seems a little stiff there, or, you know, he he tweaked a little when I I touched that. And so you're going to be able to see an injury coming much quicker if you do that, and you're going to be able to keep track of it much better, too. And I, I love journals, so if you keep a little journal that, you know, when I did this massage, um, he seemed a little tender on his right hip, you know, mm. and kind of keep a, a track of it. And that way when you go to your veterinarian, you've got a medical history there that he can look at and say, okay, we need to look at this. That's a great idea. Um, and, yeah, a, a journal, definitely. Um, we, uh, you know, we also, we've, we've read, too, that, that massage and, and flexion and extension and things like that are a great way to um, – find lumps and bumps so you know be be cancer aware and, and check for that kind of thing too yeah yeah the, I mean absolutely it's and and it, you'd be surprised how much you can find you know before the veterinarian does just because you're touching your pet every day you know mm-hmm. you're making an effort of it yeah so. now I that's a great idea now um, how what are the three biggest things that we can do to avoid injuries. Let's say we're doing all these things, you know, we're doing the massage and we're doing the, the exercises, but um, how do how do those help our dogs avoid injuries? Um, and cats, too. Um, you know, how how do we lessen that, that chance? Everybody's afraid they're going to hurt their, their animal's remaining limbs. Well, I guess one of the things you, you just have to realize is that, you know, they are going to be what they are. And so, Trying to keep them in a bubble wrap is not going to work. You know, they uh-huh. have to be they have to be alive and you know wandering around and doing whatever. And and we just try to build a very strong core. Um, you know, and that like I said includes your shoulders, your back, your abdomen, and your rear muscles. Um, keep this as strong as possible because that's going to be what's keeping them going. Um, make an effort to exercise with them on a daily basis, not just on weekends. You know, weekend warrior stuff is just not cool for anybody. <laughs> right. Um, giving them a few minutes of playtime and exercise helps them physically, but it also mentally helps them. And then I am a big advocate of warming your pet up appropriately before you go on a, you know, big exercise thing and cooling them down. And then again, uh-huh. flexion extensions, massage. Um, and then I I like supplements. You know, I like glucosamines, MSM, fish oil, and I, I think they're very helpful. And then keeping the body weight down. You really want them to be not really skinny, but on the lean side of normal because it's healthier for them and their joints and, you know, um, keeps them going much longer. And then have a really good relationship with your veterinarian and don't be afraid to add pain medicine. 
So how many was that? Eight? (laughs) (laughs) It was way more than three, but it was all very valuable. (laughs) I I got started and I couldn't stop. (laughs) No, that's that's perfect. I mean, there are so many things in there. I I was thinking of asking you as you were saying them. Um, You mentioned warming up before exercise. Mm -hmm. What's a warm-up like? Uh, well, a warm-up is, it, it depends on what you're doing for exercise. If you're just going for a walk, then warming up would be basically um, kind of doing what I call the potty walk, you know. And uh-huh. I try to train my pets um, that I'm going to take the um, elbow right behind the elbow and stretch their front leg out in front of them and hold it for like 10 seconds and then uh-huh. reach back and stretch your back leg back for about 10 seconds and then I turn their heads, you know, like with a, I call it a cookie extension. So I take a cookie to their butt on both sides and get them to kind of, you know, uh, loosen up the back a little bit. Um, uh-huh. So that would be a, a good enough warm-up. Even if you just have your pet stretch up on you, you know, give you a big hug or whatever, they're stretching okay. that out. If you're doing sincere exercise where you're going on a long hike or you're going to, you know, compete somewhere, I think you need to stretch the toes too. Um, you ah. don't think about how much your pets use their toes to dig in and go. And so just putting your finger in between and stretching the toes out is a big deal. So. Okay, yeah, I never thought of that one. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, I always tell people, think of how you carry your hands kind of curved all day long. So if you stretch your hands out really long and, you know, hard, you can feel that blood rush in. You're like, oh, that feels so good. Your pets need the same thing, really. You know, yeah, I'm doing that to my hand out. right now. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, Everybody that's does really when I say that. It does feel good, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. It really no. does. And my toes. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's let's talk about you know, the walks and, and hikes and things like that. That's one of our biggest questions. Mm-hmm. How often and how long should I walk my tripod? Does it depend on their age or their you know, obviously their condition, because you're not going to ask a 12-year-old dog to go on a five-mile hike, but in general, for for an average middle-aged tripod, which is the majority of our membership, um, what is is your recommendation for walking? Well, I think it's just like you said, it depends on the pet. Do they enjoy walking? You know, are they, um, are you doing it on flat land? Are you doing it on hills or whatever? The thing for me is just that you're consistent. You know, if you want to walk a mile and a half each day with your pet and then on weekends you may go for a three-mile hike, that's fine. You know, but you, what I always tell my clients is is that if you come back from that three-mile hike and your pet's sore, well, you've done way too much, you know, so you need to cut it in half. And it may be that they may never, you know, be able to do the five or three or five-mile walk. But, you know, doing a bunch of little walks as they age is better than doing one big long walk, you know. Um, and plus, it gives you more time with them and gets you outside in the sunshine and air, yeah. too. Um, but it, it depends on your pet. Uh, the, I know handicapped pets, and this isn't a tripod, but um, they had a dog that took a wheelchair up a mountain, you know? Oh, and wow. Like this mountain, and, and that's just, I mean, you're talking about a dog technically using just two legs. Two legs, you know, not right. Even, so, um, and it was a pretty steep mountain, and, and it did take them quite a while, and they took quite a few, you know, rest breaks, but um, they did have a pet that walked up a mountain. It's pretty cool. 
That that is so neat. You know, we only have a few minutes left, and there's so many things I, I still want to ask you. Um, I do want to uh, tap into your uh, pain management background, though, because you know you mentioned mm-hmm. how you know you know you've gone too far with your dog if they come back and they're in pain. Um, what are some some pain signals that that dogs and cats give? Um, well, cats are much better at hiding pain than dogs. Much much wow. better. Um, because, you know, cats are kind of aloof and they're loners anyway. And so a lot of people don't realize that they, they are so adept at hiding pain. Um, dogs, they tend to, they don't want to go on the walk, you know. They may pant more. They may not want to get up and greet you or go hide somewhere. Um, we do see some who vocalize, um, not eating as well. I, there's so many. It's really hard to, to look at a pet and say, he's definitely in pain. I feel like when they walk into my clinic and I see him gimping, you know, the owner's mm-hmm. like, well, he doesn't seem painful. And I'm like, well, you don't walk like that unless you're painful. You know, you right. protect something because you're painful. And so that's part of the whole, they're trying to give you a signal, but they're trying not to. And I always tell people, we as humans are weenies you know, because we're going to say my back hurts or my uh-huh. leg hurts. And our pets have survival of the fittest, you know. So if you show pain, somebody bigger and stronger takes your place. So they do hide it much better than we do. And so we need to be an advocate for them and say, you know what, if that was me, that would hurt. And so, you know, I need to I need to ad- uh, address that. So that's how I and see in it a- anyway. I love the way you think, and and in a future episode, I'd love to have you back so we can get um, into a deeper discussion about pain management and and how to find a a vet who specializes in it and everything. I mean, there's so much I didn't get to talk to you about, but thank you so much for being here today. Really appreciate it. No problem. Thank you for having me. All right, everyone. Well, this is another episode of TriPod Talk Radio. Yes, we can't thank you enough for your time. Listeners can find more information about your work at animalrehabgreenville.com. Look for this and other informative Tripod Talk radio shows or our video interviews, other helpful movies, ebooks, and more at downloads.tripods.com. Until next time, find the largest online community for three-legged pets and their people in the Tripods blogs, forums, and many resources available at tripods.com. Until next time on Tripod Talk Radio, learn more about canine amputation recovery and find the best gear for three-legged dogs at tripods.com. Thank you for tuning in. Subscribe to Tripod Talk Radio for more pet amputation tips from experts and claim your free gift just for listeners at downloads.tripods.com slash podcast.